Hello everybody, and welcome to the second installment of Fight Talk with Alan. Today's ex uh, episode is going to be pretty similar to the last one. I'm just going to recap the fights that happened this past weekend with Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. I'm going to preview this upcoming week's fights with uh, uh, Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian. And there's been a lot of cool news in the, in the MMA world this week, including the return of Mike Tyson against Roy Jones Jr. in an exhibition match, uh, Jake Paul fighting Nate Robinson, Habib and Justin Gaethje got announced for October 24th. And there was also a little bit of beef this past weekend with Herb Dean and Dan Hardy, so I'll talk about that too. But uh, let's just get started with last week's fights, recapping them and who these uh, people's opponents are going to be, or who I think they should fight next. So we'll start with Whitaker versus Till. Uh, the fight went kind of as I expected it, a very tactical, technical match. Uh, those are the types of fights that I love to watch, man. I just think it's so cool to see two great technical fighters uh, set traps for each other. And at any moment, somebody can get knocked out. At any moment, somebody can go in and throw some punches. Great defense being utilized by both guys. And there was a little bit of controversy with the decision. And uh, when I scored it, when I looked at the fight again, uh, I would have given it to Darren Till. I would have given him the first round the fourth round probably, and the fifth round. Uh, I think a lot of people had a 2-2, and then they gave Robert the last round due to the takedowns at the end. But in my opinion, I would say that the elbow that Till landed that put a cut on uh, Robert was more effective than his takedowns. And at the same time, Robert was taking him down, but Till was always getting up and being active. And never just uh, sitting there, uh, he kind of just popped right back up when Whitaker took him down, as as he did in the previous rounds. In the previous rounds, he defended him a little better because he didn't get to the ground at all. But I would say that uh, elbow from Till and some of the earlier shots that he landed in that round, I thought that he won that fifth round. But honestly, man, both guys fought amazing fights. It was super fun to watch. And I don't think this drops either guy's stock. I don't think it drops Till's stock because he lost. Since there's some controversy, I don't think it drops Whitaker's stock. I mean, I think both guys really showed that they're championship quality fighters. And it's a good look for the middleweight division, which has been kind of slept on recently. Uh, due to the featherweight division and lightweight division and welterweight division being so damn good. So it's kind of cool to see these guys flourish and show UFC fans that it's one of the best divisions uh, in the UFC. Um... So I thought Darren would win originally, like before. Uh, last episode, I said that Darren would win. Like I, I gave a bunch of reasons. I thought the move movement would be better. Uh, I thought he would move around a little more. But one thing that Whitaker did really well is implement leg kicks. I think that's a big reason that he won. And I think in the second round, he like blew Darren Till's knee out. I don't, I don't know the exact injury, maybe like a torn meniscus or something. But he uh, he messed up Darren Till's knee, so his mobility was kind of hindered the whole fight. But I still I still believe that uh, Darren Till landed cleaner sh cleaner shots and had a better defense. But one thing that kind of surprised me from Whitaker's end was his speed. Like I knew Whitaker was fast, man, but this dude is quick as hell, and he's got a lot of power behind his shots. And he was uh, throwing some really good shots out of the clinch. And also using good leg kicks, man. His use of leg kicks uh, really won him this fight, I believe. But uh, 
it was cool to see Jaron Till kind of take the same approach as he did with Kelvin, being very calm, not doing any dumb shit, because in a different world, uh, like a couple of years ago, Jaron Till probably would have just went in and gotten knocked out by uh, Whitaker. So it was really cool to see that he can adapt, and I, 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 uh, I like Jaron Till a lot. I like the way he fights, and I think this kid's going to be a champion one day. He's only like 27 years old. Uh, I know he has three, three of uh, three of his last four fights or losses, but he's faced some top-notch fighters, man, and he's fighting well. Uh, these past two fights, I think middleweight's a great division for him. This was arguably a win for him, I think it was. Uh, he handled it very well, though, no excuses. Gave his props to Whitaker, and uh, I was surprised by Whitaker uh, fighting a very good fight, being so quick. That second round was domination by him. He. Uh, I think he knocked Till down, but it was more of like a takedown or a slip by Till. But he kept him on the ground, fought a very good mixed martial arts fight using leg kicks. Whereas Till, he used some kicks as well, but it was mostly a boxing-oriented fight for him. But uh, yeah, Whitaker fought really well. Both guys fought really well, and it was one of my favorite fights of the year, for sure. If you didn't like that fight, I don't know what to tell you. I guess they're, they're not, they weren't doing Rock'em Sock'em robots, but... It was a very technical fight, and I fucked up the fight a lot. So, for these guys' next opponents, I would say for Robert, he probably does deserve the title shot next. He was the champ. He defended the title, and he beat he beat Till, you know, on the on the score on the scorecards. Uh, I could see the UFC trying to give him Jared Cannonier, but the way Till the way Whitaker fought this fight, I would be interested to see how he fights against uh, Israel Adesanya. I know I said on the last episode that he probably would never fight or never beat Israel, but I'm not going to count him out after watching that performance. I mean, he fought really well. He can be reckless at times, and he does lunge in, and I think Till could have uh, gotten some better shots on him, but I think the leg kicks really got to him, so he, his mobility was hindered. But if if uh, Whitaker goes into the Iggy fight, Izzy fight and just chops at those legs and does a similar fight, I think it'll be way closer. I don't think he'd get knocked out. But who knows, Israel, Israel's getting better every day too, so I think those those two uh, should probably fight again. And I, I could see Whitaker holding out, because I don't, I don't think he'd want to fight Jared Cannonier. I mean, he believes that he deserves the next title shot, and I get it. This guy was a former champ. He just beat Darren Till in a tough fight, toughest, like one of his toughest fights. And... Now he wants the championship belt, and I, I I get that. I completely understand that. But the UFC has their own way of doing things, and maybe they won't give it to him. Maybe they'll say, at the end of this year, you got to fight Jared Cannonier for the number one contender. But I don't know. I feel like the UFC likes Robert. He's uh, done a lot for them. He's a good uh, image for the sport. Doesn't talk a lot of shit, just does his work. Always exciting fights. So I could definitely see them uh, aligning a different or uh, a future matchup with Israel. But uh, it's it's all about timing with these title fights, honestly, man. I mean, someone could get injured. I mean, shit, Paulo Costa could win, and then somebody else could be a contender. A lot of things can happen in this in this uh, next year because there's so many guys that can actually fight for the belt. You got obviously Israel and Paulo are fighting for the belt. But then you got Jack Hermanson just won. Darren Till's looking good. Obviously, Robert Whitaker. Uh, Jared Cannonier. 
who's a real contender, just beat Jack Hermanson. You got <laughs> you got this next weekend's fights, uh, Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazi, and if Edmund Shabazi wins that, he's going to be in talks for the belt as well. I mean, you got a lot of you got a lot of hungry uh, vets and young guys that want to fight for the belt, so a lot of shit's going to happen this upcoming year for the middleweight division, and I'm super excited to watch it all unfold. But for Whitaker, I'd say probably next is Adesanya or Cannoneer. Depends if he wants to hold out, which I think he probably will. For Darren Till, I said last weekend, the loser of this fight should probably fight Jack Hermanson. And since Till lost, he should probably fight Jack Hermanson. I think it'd be a good matchup for him as long as Till fights smart and doesn't let Jack get into the ground. I think it'd be a pretty easy fight for him. And then next we got... Shogun Hula versus Rogerio Nogueira. This fight was actually somewhat entertaining. Uh, it was a close fight, which was weird. I thought Shogun would beat him up pretty well, but what was interesting to me is that Ro uh, Rogerio Nogueira actually has a pretty good left straight, man. And he uh, knocked down Shogun like once or twice, I think. Or, he, or he, he at least got some good shots on him. So Shogun had to implement some wrestling, some grappling to win the fight. And he did win the fight. He took the safe route, won the fight. So that's three zip for Shogun in that trilogy. Uh, a legend of the sport, Nogueira, announces retirement. And he's given us plenty of good fights, man. And it's probably good that he's retiring. Maybe it's a little too late. But if this is his last outing, I think it's a pretty good way to go out, you know. Some would argue that he won that fight. So good for him. But he's retired, so he's not going to fight anybody next. But for Shogun... He's going to stay. He's only like 37, He's but that's in like MMA years, so times that by two. He's fought <laughs> since he was like 20 in pride, like fought the best guys for decades. But in his last seven fights, he's five wins, one loss, one draw. So, I mean, he's still legit. He's not in the rankings for the light heavyweight division for some reason, but he should probably fight a top 15 guy. Like, uh, I don't know who... I think Johnny Walker is fighting Ryan Spann, so maybe if he wins that, then he could fight Shogun, you know, just get get a big legend under your belt, maybe knock Shogun up, get Johnny Walker back on his feet. Uh, there's also a guy named Alexander Rakic, I think he's from Serbia. He hits pretty hard, he's like a knockout artist, so that could be an interesting fight, see how Shogun deals with that striking, the quickness of a younger guy. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I don't really like look forward to Shogun fights that much anymore. I did when I was like 10 years old and when he was fighting at Pride, but it's it's a different world nowadays and I don't really think he's going to be beating those upper echelon guys, those top 10 guys, but if he still wants to be in the UFC, by all means, fight, you can fight these young guys and you can be kind of a gatekeeper and be kind of like their first biggest name that they beat. But whatever he wants to do. I don't know that many guys that are in like below top fifteen in the light heavyweight division, but I'm sure I'm sure the matchmakers will find somebody for Shogun to fight if that's what he wants to do. And then for the biggest bummer of last weekend's card for me, uh Gustafsson. Gustafsson came in with a bit of a belly on him <laughs> and Verdum just took him down, bro. He took him down, took his back, transitioned to an armbar, which he always does, and 
this happened like one minute into the round, so you know it's going to be over. Like this guy's a a world champion in the heavyweight division of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at like uh, I think it's like ADCC or IBJJF, one of those two. But it was inevitable. I mean, Gustafsson was not going to hold on to that his arms for four minutes. We're Doom was definitely going to get one of those arms and break his arm if he didn't tap out. But it's just sad to see, man. You know, Gustafsson, he probably shouldn't fight anymore. I feel like those John Jones and DC losses just kind of ruined his career. Anthony Josh Johnson, too. But uh, it, it kind of makes me sad, though, because I, I really like Gustafsson. And I feel like in a different world, he would be a champ for a, for a long time. And he would have been known as one of the best fighters of all time. But like I said, timing's everything. You know, he, he was born around the same time as John Jones and DC when they were fighting in the... UFC, so it's just tough, man. It's, it's a tough sport, and it's sad to see a guy like move up in weight. He probably didn't train that much for this fight. He could tell by his body. Uh, I, I didn't even see him like stri strike really or anything. He tried to defend the takedown, but I, I just know a, a real, a, like a real Gustafsson that really trained probably would have defended that takedown. He got submitted by Radum and. Last fight he got submitted by Anthony Smith, lost to John Jones. Like he probably had his time in the UFC, and he was one of my favorite fighters. So it's tough to see him go. It's tough to see those guys always lose. But the fight game is very unforgiving, man. And Father Time is the only undefeated MMA fighter, and it's not like Gustafsson's gonna get any better. So he should probably hang it up. He's he's done enough for the for the MMA world. We've seen enough good fights out of him, so I, I I would say he should probably hang it up, and he'll be very missed. We, we might have lost some legends this week, and we lost Nogueira, uh, Gustafsson, and maybe even Werdum. Werdum, this is his last fight in the UFC, and him and the UFC don't really get along too well. So I'm probably thinking if he doesn't go to Bellator with uh, Scott Coker, who he was in Strikeforce with, he's probably gone too, so... These are three legends of the sport. And legend gets thrown around a lot, man, but these guys are true legends. And they might be gone. And uh, it was it was nice to see them fight their last fights, if if it is their last fights. For some of them, I hope it is. <laughs> and then you got this guy named Hazmat Chimaev. Uh, out with the old, in with the new. Hazmat Chimaev is the new kid on the block. He's making a lot of waves. If you don't know him, he's uh, kind of like Habib 2.0. He's from Dagestan. He's got that same beard. <laughs> uh, same fighting style as Habib, just mauls you. He's been he uh, he now has the record for the shortest time in between fights where he won both times. So he fought on the what card was it? It was it was a week before the Whitaker fight, I believe. Let me see here. Yeah, he fought on the. Uh, yeah, he fought on the Cater and Ige card, which is a Wednesday night. And then I think it was ten days later or eleven days. He fought on this card this past weekend, and he has taken a total of two shots. He finished both guys, I believe. His first fight was against John Phillips, won that by Durstchuk in the second round, uh, took two shots in that fight, <laughs> and then he fought 
heist McKee and knocked him out in the first round, just took him down within the first three seconds and gave this guy no room to breathe. It was on him like fucking glue and didn't take one shot from him. And people might say, you know, we're just hyping this guy up, it's too early. But the way he fights, it's just, it's, it's like Habib. It's just going to be tough for people to really deal with this, I feel like. I don't know how his striking is, but I know how his grappling is. And I'm not saying that's all that matters, but we all know that wrestling is probably the most important discipline in the UFC when it comes to being a champion. I mean, you look at the champions, they all know how to wrestle. They're not all pure strikers. They know how to wrestle. So, this guy is really fucking good at wrestling. So, I would I would be intrigued to see him against like a top 15 guy right now to be honest. I mean, he's he's probably he's probably going to fight in August 15th. He wants to stay really active. So, he's probably going to fight in 2 weeks on the Stipe and DC card. And they're probably just going to give him another like no-name guy, maybe like an up-and-cover, just like some random dude with like maybe one win on the UFC two wins. But then after that, give him a training camp. I would like to see him against like RDA or something, man. Just give him like a sappy veteran who can grapple, who can strike. That That's a real matchup for him. And if he can beat RDA, kind of like Habib beat RDA all those years ago, which propelled him into the next level in the lightweight division, I think he could pose some real problems for the guys at welterweight, man. This guy's really good, and I love the way he fights. I love those Dagestani wrestlers. They just take you down and maul you, and and they uh, create so much power from the ground. I don't understand how they can create so much power uh, from their striking. It's it's kind of insane. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. This guy's a really good fighter. I, f I fuck with him heavy. So yeah, I would I would say he should probably fight RDA for his next like real fight, but you know he could fight the next two fights against like some scrubs or or not as well known guys. I mean these guys, John Phillips he's kind of a scrub like he's a good striker that's that's a tough matchup for him. But like Heis McKee I heard he's like he's pretty good. I mean he's no slouch like he's a young guy who's trying to make a name for himself just like Hazmat and Hazmat destroyed him. I mean two fights in the UFC and you take two shots. That's that's pretty insane. So I'm I'm excited for this guy. I'm, I'm, and he seems like uh he's trying to talk, trash talk, you know, kind of like Habib. He's trying to be like Habib kind of. So I'm excited to see this guy fight. Get some new blood in the welterweight division. So that is all for the Whitaker Till analysis. And now I'll go to the Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian preview and predictions so this card uh not as stacked as last weekend's card not as many big names so i'll only talk about two fights i'll talk about obviously the main event Derek brunson and edmund shabazz and i'll talk about like how they can win those fights how i think they they could win those fights like w how i think the fight is going to go down and then uh the other fight i'll talk about is vicente luke and randy brown i mean those are two guys that are always going to give you a good fight randy brown coming from the Brian Barberino win, I believe. And then Vicente Luque coming from the win against Nico Price, uh, like a month ago, I believe. So quick turnaround for Luque. 
that was a pretty hard, hard fight, but he definitely won most of that fight. He took some shots, but whenever Vicente Luque is fighting, man, it's always a good fight. Uh, for this fight, I could probably see Randy Brown trying to take it to the ground. I'm also interested in how Luque is going to look after all these wars that he's had recently. Like, when is he just going to have a, like a, a glass chin? Because a lot of guys, they have these like tough fights, and then they... Uh, have glass chins or like they just have a tough time being themselves this these fights kind of take something away from them but the interesting thing with Vicente is that I haven't seen any like sign of him slowing down like every single fight he fights the same way and it's just complete chaos bro it's it is fun watching this man fight I like Vicente Luque but I also like Randy Brown I mean Randy Brown's a pretty good striker uh, he's pretty good at grab. He's good grappler, good top control. So I could see him probably trying to take it to the ground. But at the same time, Vicente Luque is good on the ground. But uh, for this fight, I, I just feel like Vicente's a cleaner striker. He hits harder, and he's willing to give more than Randy Brown is. So for this fight, Randy Brown probably should try to be in the clinch, take it to the ground, not be not. Not make it like a rock and sock and robots fight, but Luke, on the contrary, should try to make it aggressive, try to get in there, get dirty. But at the same time, Luke is a very, very clean striker, so uh, I think he could definitely uh, create some real problems for Randy Brown. And the way I see this fight going down, I feel like the cleaner striking from Luke, and how I think he'll be able to defend takedowns if Randy goes for him. I think he'll probably finish the fight in a third round knockout. And look for this fight as a dark horse in that main card. It's not the co-main event, it's the fight before. I think this is gonna, probably going to be fight of the night. And then you got Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazzian. Derek Brunson, the gatekeeper of the division. His last two losses were Robert Whitaker, and then Robert Whitaker got a title shot like soon after. He fought Izzy, got knocked out by him. Izzy got a title fight soon after. Same thing with Jacare, uh, a couple other guys. So Derek Brunson's he's good at fighting. He's he beats those lower level middleweights, but it's tough for him to beat the upper echelon guys. So this is a real test for Edmund. You know, is he ready for that next level of middleweights, or is it too quick, too soon for him? And is he just gonna get outclassed and outfought by a sappy veteran? So this is how I see this fight kind of going down. For Derek, I think he's not a dumb guy. I think he understands that Edmund will pr is probably the better striker. And Derek is a college wrestler. I don't know if Edmund Shabazzian has any wrestling pedigree. Um, I haven't seen much of his takedown defense because he knocks guys out pretty quick. So I feel like Derek sh will probably try to make it a wrestling match. Kind of get it up against the cage because... Derek has always been a victim of kind of rushing in a little too quick, and one against real good fighters, it's tough to just rush in there and beat those upper level guys because they just they're they're too aware uh, of like where you are and they're not just gonna get rushed by uh, Derek Brunson, you know. So Derek is trying to take a smarter approach, the way he fought Ian Heinish. And it's, he's probably going to just try to grapple with uh, Edmund. 
just get some top control and just grind out the win. Maybe get a TKO in the later rounds. That's how I see the fight going if Brunson wins, if Edmund can't take the can't defend those takedowns. But if Edmund can defend those takedowns and use dis distance control well, uh, he sh he could probably he could definitely knock out Brunson, which is which which is what I think will probably happen. As long as Edmund defends some takedowns, uh, gets good distance control, and circles to his left, which is away from Derek Brunson's po power shot, which is the left straight, which he's knocked so many guys out with, uh, I think he'll definitely be the cleaner striker. Derek Brunson isn't a clean striker, but he has a lot of power, so that's why he knocks a lot of guys out. But Edmund is a very clean striker, and he's, he has a lot of tools in his belt. And uh, I've been a victim of saying that Derek Brunson is going to win these fights against these young guys that are good strikers because I think he can take them down. But Derek Brunson hasn't really been able to take these guys down that well. And I feel like Edmund, he knows this is a big fight for him. This is going to propel him into the big ranks of uh, middleweight and put him with those Jack Hermansons, those Jared Cannoneers, like put him in that category. He's going to start fighting those guys next. So I feel like Edmund knows that this is a, a huge fight for him. And I think he'll be able to fight smart and eventually get that knockout against Derek Brunson, which I think will happen in probably the second or third round. So yeah, that's the preview predictions for those guys. It's a very exciting fight. Not a lot of people know Edmund Shabazin, but he's being guys like Brad Tavares. So he's he's legit. He's not like upper echelon level yet, but he's a good fighter. So I'm really excited to see if he's that new blood in the middleweight division. If he all if he's always cracked up to be, because I know what I'm gonna get for Derek Brunson, but I don't know what I'm gonna get for Edmund Shabazin. So these fights are always fun to watch. Uh, Edmund Shabazzin could get a crazy knockout this fight. So yeah, that's all I got for that fight. Uh, not the craziest fights this weekend, but still some cool fights to see. And maybe a new name in the middleweight division. And then a lot of cool uh, MMA news. Not just MMA news, some boxing news as well. So you got Mike Tyson fighting Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson is like... What, in his late 50s, early 60s, I think? And he's fighting Roy Jones Jr., who's also old, but kind of active. He's been fighting, like, every year in these, like, little exhibition fights. So I think they consider this, what was it, an exhibition? It's not, like, an actual professional fight. And they're fighting, uh, what is it? Is it late August or, like, September? Let me see here. But uh, the thing with this fight is... It's kind of tough to analyze this fight because it's tough for me to like analyze a fight when, when a guy hasn't fought for like three years, let alone like 20. So I don't really know what to say about this, but I mean, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm excited to see how this fight's going to unfold. I'm excited to see if they're actually going to like really fight and go for it or if if it's just going to be kind of like a just a cool sparring match where they just kind of jab each other and chill but the videos that i have seen from mike tyson tells me otherwise i mean he looks really good for his age uh he looks like he's got that drive back uh but mike tyson always says has always said that he doesn't like who he is as a fighter so i'm a little surprised that he's coming back to fighting 
but I guess maybe he has some regrets about his career. Maybe he got into the gym finally, and he's like, man, fuck all these podcasts, you know, this is, I'm bored, I want to fight, you know, and that's a real thing. People get bored after they retire, they don't know what to do, you know. When you were Mike Tyson one day, and you walked into that ring, and you were just knocking people out, left and right, you were on top of the world, like, it's tough to, it's tough to let that man go, you know. Although Mike Tyson hates that man, like he says, you gotta love him at the same time, because uh, there's no more exhilarating feeling than walking into a ring and just knocking a guy out, and people loving you, and people talking about you like you're a messiah. You know, and the same thing with Roy Jones, he couldn't be touched. I mean, he made a song called Can't Be Touched, Can't Be Stopped. This guy in the 90s was a beast, best fighter of the 90s. He never even threw a jab. Like, he, he would, he would uh, play full-on, full, like, full five-on-five basketball games on the day of his fight. Like, he was just pure talent. Both of these guys, pure talent. Maybe not the best discipline at times, but pure talent. These are two of the most talented fighters ever. But the thing is, they're both old, you know. You're not getting your 80s Mike Tyson. You're not getting your 90s Roy Jones Jr. So I hope that this isn't a dud. And I hope it's not some, like, Chuck Liddell fight where he's barely there. But uh, I, I just hope it's it's a fun fight for the fans. I hope people enjoy it. Uh, I don't really know what the pre my prediction will be. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be rooting for Mike Tyson, man, because watching his videos, he he looks good. But l l like I said, it's only pad work, you know. It's anybody can look good hitting pads, but it is Mike Tyson. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. He has been kind of active, you know. He fights like every year in Russia or whatever. So, uh, but I I, I want to see how they look face to face, you know. I, I want to see if, cause Mike Tyson, he's got he's been putting some muscles on, you know. And I also want to know what the drug testing is going to be for this fight. Uh, I hope it's zero. I hope they are uh, have muscles to the gills. I hope they give them all the HGH and all the TRT that's in the world <laughs> for this fight. Because I, I wouldn't want to see them under USADA rules fight for sure. But uh, I guess what Roy Jones Jr.'s last fight was two years ago. And he's been winning against these these scrubs, but, uh, I don't know, I don't know what it's gonna look like, uh, him against Mike, but it'll be interesting to watch, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad about it, I never like watching old guys fight, but it is boxing, it is an eight-round exhibition, so hopefully it'll be fun for the fans to watch, I'm, I'm intrigued, so yeah, I'll definitely be rooting for Mike Tyson, but <laughs> we'll see how it goes, I hope it's not dead, but for the next... Uh, news, we got Nate Robinson against Jake Paul. Uh, this is where it's kind of weird because it's one thing for these YouTubers like KSI and Logan and that, uh, that English guy, what was his name, like, Abby or something, or Tube for these guys to, like, fight each other for their fans so their fans can watch for a couple bucks. But now you're, you're, now you're starting to fight, like, actual athletes. And it's a little weird to me, because, like, although Nate Robinson is smaller than Jake Paul, he, he's, like, my height. He's 5'9", and I'm pretty sure Jake Paul can't jump over Dwight Howard. And obviously, boxing isn't who can jump the highest, but 
if you got that athletic ability, I'll give you a couple months. You can probably figure out how to hit somebody in the face, you know, pretty well and move your body. Because Nate Robinson, he knows how to move his body really well. So if you give him some months of training, and I saw his pad work. It wasn't that bad. It seems like he likes boxing. He wouldn't sign up for the fight if he didn't. So, I don't know. I just, it's just weird. Like, why... I'll watch the fight, but it's like, why would I want to watch Jake Paul fight Nate Robinson? Like, J Jake Paul doesn't have any real credibility. He beat this random YouTuber up, like, okay. And then he beat KSI's brother up. It's just, I think he's sipping his own Kool-Aid a little bit. Who is, is he going to fight Antonio Brown next? Is he going to try to fight LeBron James? Like, y I feel like you got to stay in your lane a little bit, man. I know Nate... Robinson isn't a professional boxer, and, I, and I'm not saying since he's so athletic he should become like a boxer, he's a great boxer, but being an NBA player at that height is so hard, and it's almost impossible, and this guy's been in the league for like 10 plus years, and he played college football, like this guy is a true athlete. He he's very adaptable to different sports. So you give him a couple months of training with uh, boxing, I think he's probably gonna light Jake Paul up. Uh, maybe J Jake Paul is he's bigger, I guess. But I just don't I don't think he's gonna be able to deal with the speed and movement of Nate Robinson. But it is weird f analyzing a fight a boxing fight with two guys that aren't boxers. But hopefully it's a good fight. I I hope uh, Nate Robinson wins. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of Jake Paul. Uh, I think he's kind of a fuckboy. But I'm just here to analyze the fight. And when I just see them stacked next to each other, I'm probably taking Nate Robinson because of, of his athleticism. Alright, next, on to some real fights. We got the announcement of Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. Now, this fight is very interesting for many reasons. You got... Uh, Habib against probably his most difficult opponent. Now people say this like every single fight from now on because it's just somebody new that Habib is fighting. But in actuality, Justin Gaethje is probably his toughest matchup because uh, he has really good stamina, very good cardio. He never quits. He's really, really well known for his uh, wrestling defense. Back in college, he wasn't the best offensive wrestler, but he was really good at... Uh, takedown defense. People just couldn't take him down for some reason. And I know he hasn't used his wrestling that much in the UFC in terms of taking people down, but he has used it in the clinch a lot, which people don't understand. Uh, so he uses his wrestling in the clinch to defend and like get his way in the clinch, which leads to him getting a lot of knees off and leg kicks off and punches off. So obviously he's going to have to use his wrestling defense in this fight. No one's really tried to take Gaethje down. I believe. I don't think anyone's even attempted a takedown against him. So, obviously that's going to be different this fight. And he's aware of it too. Like, Justin Gaethje, when he came into the UFC, he fought very recklessly. And he fought, uh, he lost to upper echelon guys like Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier because that fighting style is only, it, it can only get you so far. But now that he's training with Trevor Whitman and he's really trying to become an actual champion, it's kind of changed his demeanor and the way he fights. He doesn't try to just take guys' heads off anymore. And you could you could see that in Tony Ferguson. Uh, in the second round, he did get knocked down because he was fighting a little recklessly. And he was trying to, like, knock Tony out. But you got to understand, it's very tough to knock Tony out. And Trevor Women gave him great advice. He's like, 
take 10% off of your punches. So don't try to knock them out, just tag them. And for the next rounds after that, it was all Justin Gaethje. And he fought beautifully that fight. So it, here's the thing though, Habib is just a different level of grappling. And I'm not going to analyze the fight now because we're three months away from it. And I want to wait until then to talk about it really in depth. But I'm just really intrigued to see uh, how Justin is going to deal with the wrestling of Habib. Because I know he's not going to quit like other guys have. I know he's going to fight till he can't fight anymore. And it's going to be a crazy fight to watch. I'm super excited. And I like Justin a lot. So these are, these are two guys that are just going to have a great fight for the fans. It's not going to be much shit talk. It's just going to be a great fight. And I'm super hyped for it. And I'm excited that it's in uh, October, which is not that far away. And another reason this fight is really important is because uh, this is going to be Habib's first fight since his dad passed away. So Habib's dad passed away this uh, earlier this month because of uh, complications from a heart surgery. And he also had uh, coronavirus. So he had heart disease and coronavirus. And he passed away, unfortunately. And this has been Habib's number one trainer uh, his whole life. He trained him his whole life. He kind of made him the wrestler that he is today. Made him the, made him the man that he is today. So is this going to make Habib a worse fighter that his dad is? His, his influence from his dad is not there? Or is it going to make him better? Is, is it going to fuel a fire in Habib and make him an even better fighter uh, to... Uh, uh, for his dad to uh, kind of, uh, so he can become what his dad wanted to be, wanted him to be. His dad's wishes is that he fights two more times in the UFC and then he's done. And Habib is, uh, his dad is like was his, like his best friend, so he's probably gonna go with that, fight two more times, and then he's out. And I don't know, I probably wouldn't want to fight Habib with after his dad died, but who knows? It's gonna be a fun fight. I can't wait. And then, for the last story this week, you got Herb Dean and Dan Hardy. They had a little bit of beef. Um, so this past weekend, Herb Dean refereed two fights where it was late stoppages. The first fight was uh, Tanner Bozier against some guy, I can't remember his name. But uh, it, it, it seemed like the guy got hit in the forehead, and then or the eye. It wasn't an eye poke, but he got hit in the eye. And then, what's the guy's name? Let me see. Rafael Pessoa. So he got knocked out. That one wasn't as bad, but he definitely got knocked down, and he took some shots that he couldn't have. And then uh, Dan and Paul Felder kind of yelled out, stop the fight. So that first one, whatever, okay. Late stoppage, but not the worst stoppage ever. And then the second fight was Francisco Chinaldo and Jay Heat Herbert. So Jay Herbert was winning most of the fight, he's kind of an upcoming guy, but in the third round, he got hit on the forehead, and he went stiff as a board as he le as he uh, hit the ground, and he had his hand up, so Herb thought that he was kind of there, and Francisco Chinaldo was actually was on top of Jay, and he stopped punching, and it was just kind of this weird moment where Herb, Herb didn't stop the fight, so he let Chinaldo hit him like four or five more times, and then Dan Hardy just yelled, stop the fight. This is the second time, and then Herb uh, got annoyed. Uh, he, he, like, told him with his hand, like, relax, like, stop. 
And then in the post-fight interview, before the post-fight interview, Herb and Dan were screaming at each other. Dan was screaming at Herb. They were arguing uh, in front of the whole crowd. You could kind of hear the background noise from it, and you could hear their argument. And my take on this is Herb did fuck up those two stoppages. They they were pretty obvious. He went stiff as a board. His eyes rolled in the back of his head. So and he, he, so he probably should have stopped it. But I would say, although Chinaldo, like, respect to you for not hitting the guy, like, you gotta just, you gotta go until the ref tells you not to. You know, I, I respect people that, like, yeah, they knock them out, they knock people out and they walk away to not inflict more damage, but it's not really your job to be the ref. You gotta go until the ref tells you to stop. And he did have his hand up, I know. It should have been stopped earlier, of course. And that Tanner Bolger fight sh should have been stopped too, but I think Dan Hardy needs to relax a little bit. He went on social media and uh, wrote this huge novel, and then he responded to everybody in the comment section, these randoms in the comment section, and he told them, you have no idea about fighting. What are you talking about? I've fought in the UFC for years. Like, Dan Hardy needs to relax a little bit. He's responding to these randoms on social media. like, And it's, and it's not like Dan Hardy did his job perfectly either. He was super biased to Darren, uh, Robert Whitaker in the Darren Till fight. But that's a story for another day. But I do understand that he's like, I'm sick of these late stoppages. But it's like, I've seen worse stoppages, man. I've seen I've seen terrible early stoppages too, but people don't get as mad about that, you know. So I would say I don't know. Obviously, you don't want to inflict more damage than needs to be done. You don't want to give the man more CT than he already has. So yeah, stop the fight when it needs to be stopped. But in in that arena, when there's like no fans there and everything can be heard, you are kind of distracting the referee by just yelling at him to stop the fight. And I do understand it's like heat of the moment, like you just want the fight to be stopped, but it's like Herb Dean is the best in the business and he does a very, very good job. And he has stopped fights perfectly before, but he doesn't get credit for that, he just gets credit for when he fucks up. But the thing is, man, like, yeah, these stoppages, they were late, but they weren't the worst things in the world. Like, I don't think, I think Dan Hardy overreacted a little bit. And I think he overreacted a lot on social media. Both guys posted their side of the story. Uh, I think Herb was a little more professional about his response. He said that only the medical staff and the person's team can tell me when to stop a fight and the commentator shouldn't. And I, I understand that. I, I can completely understand what Herb says on that. But for Dan Hardy to just write that novel and then respond to these Instagram people, Instagram nobodies that are telling him that he's wrong. Like, it's it's not a good look for Dan Hardy. But, uh, it was just kind of strange. It, w it was a strange, uh, thing. And I, d I don't think Dan Hardy should have been arguing with him before the post-fed interview because this is supposed to be Francisco Chinaldo's, uh, like, he, he won that fight fair and square and he should get his props. And he should get a post-fed interview without people talking about Dan Hardy and Herb Dean just arguing. Like, it's not about you, you know what I'm saying? And I understand that he is looking out for the fighters, and Dan Hardy was a fighter himself, so he gets it, you know? But I just feel like both guys kind of fucked up. Herb Dean obviously fucked up at the stoppages, and I even think he can admit to a level that he could have stopped them earlier. And Dan Hardy fucked up by overreacting a little bit. Like, I like Paul Felder. Paul Felder did say stop the fight, but... He wasn't arguing with Herb. Like, you can kind of talk about that backstage, you know, after, like, 
and talk about and don't just yell at him you know just talk with Herb Dean because Herb Dean's a very like, calm cool collected guy you don't have to yell at him you know in front of everybody in front of the whole uh, crowd watching or not the crowd watching there but the, the TV crowd you know so I just kind of I thought it, I thought it was a little bad luck on Dan's part but I do understand he cares about the fighters and I hate watching bad stoppages more than anybody early or late and I think ref should be refing is the most thankless job because when they do a, a good job they're like people are like oh yeah you should have been doing that but when they do a bad job then people give them so much shit so it's a tough job but they definitely do fuck up sometimes just like anybody else though just like they're not as bad as the judges at least so it's tough man he, uh, the referee has the best eye in the room so I gotta take his word for it but that's just my views on the situation and with that uh, that's all I have for this podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in, and enjoy the fights this weekend. Peace.